It's good to see you again. And today's passage, we're going to look at Hannah's prayer. And before we do that, let's start with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word, and we thank you that through your word, we can hear your voice speaking to us to encourage and to rebuke us. Help us, Lord, to listen faithfully. In Jesus' name, we pray. For those of you who are looking at your phones, uh, there is a sermon outline which you can find. Uh, you can keep that open, uh, and it's good if you have the Bible passage in front of you as well. Did you know that McDonald's coffee comes with a caution, contents hot warning on the cup? Did you know there's a washing machine model that has the warning, do not put any person in the washer? Recently, there was a trend. People started eating Thai brand detergents because they came in these beautiful and colorful little pots. Now, these pots come with a warning, not for consumption. It seems like these things are common sense and these warnings are really unnecessary. But the fact is, there is always someone who needs to hear this warning, regardless of how these things should be common sense. I guess it's true what some people say, common sense is not common. Well, in today's passage, we see a prayer by Hannah. But more than that, it's also a song, a prophecy, and a warning. There is something here that people really need to hear, even though it may seem to be a common sense warning to us. Now let's come to the text. As we start at verse 1, we see how Hannah speaks in words of praise in this prayer. Her heart exalts in the Lord. This is the language of joy and how she honors the Lord. Her horn is exalted, which is another way of saying that she has been established by the Lord securely. This is a language of thankfulness and this horn picture language, it is used to show God's favor in establishing someone. So yes, we can see very clearly, this is a prayer of thankfulness. However, at this point, we still need to ask another question. What is she thankful for? She was once barren, but in response to her prayers, God opened her womb and gave her a child. And normally this is why we think that she is thankful. But if you think about it, she had to offer the child back to the Lord, didn't she? At the end of last week's sermon, she had a child whom she dedicated back to the Lord. And now, again, she is childless, but the only difference is she's not called barren anymore. Her child is far away from her. Is she then really thankful only because her status has changed? And she doesn't mind that she has to give away the child at the temple. That sounds really cool, doesn't it? If, is she only rejoicing because she can no longer be mocked for being barren? Now, of course, part of her thankfulness is that she is thankful that she is no longer barren and she does have a son, even though that son is dedicated to the Lord. But I think there's more to this. And if we don't get to the root of it, we'll miss out in understanding the fullness of what she is thanking God for. So what is she thankful for? What is she glorifying God for in her prayers? 
My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. So we see here that she is thankful because of the salvation that comes from God. And it is out of that thankfulness that now she opens her mouth towards her enemies. Now has she experienced salvation? We know that she was barren, that God had opened her womb, but is that salvation? Normally, we wouldn't think of that as salvation, wouldn't we? But let us look at it from Hannah's context, from the context of an Israelite who lived in the time of the judges. Now, it's helpful for us to remember what the situation is so that we can understand her mindset. The Israelites have already been led to the promised land by Joshua. This is supposed to be the land that is free of all suffering, flowing with milk and honey and provides them with rest. The Israelites are to be blessed. There's to be no infertility, no sorrows. Yet what happens when they enter the land? They continue being disobedient and the situation goes bad. They start to no longer see God as their ruler and each person started doing what was right in their own sight. They were therefore surrounded by their enemies who made sure that there is no rest for Israel. So in Hannah's barrenness, we see part of the symptom of what ails Israel. It is not that Hannah is targeted as personally being disobedient, but the fact that barrenness even exists in the promised land indicates to them that it seems that God has turned away from them, that they don't have the blessing of God, as if God is far away. And so the Israelites, who are still trusting in God, who are still faithful to Him, they will be asking, when, God, will you show mercy? When will you bring national healing? When will you restore Israel? So when Hannah prayed and she was restored from her barrenness, Hannah does not see the pregnancy as a one-off miracle of a singular kind act of God, but it shows God's heart towards Israel. In God hearing and responding to Hannah's prayer, Hannah comes to experience the love of God in a personal manner which leads her to understand two things about God. There is none holy like God, which refers to how he is different from the rest of the world and how exalted God is. And secondly, Hannah understands that God is the rock that the people of Israel can depend on. It's saying that he is steady, he is trustworthy. So taking these things into account that she has experienced about God, Hannah now knows for sure that God has not abandoned Israel despite what their current circumstances look like. She understands now that even then, God is still at work in Israel. So she sees this smaller act of God responding to her prayer for a child and reversing her barrenness as a guarantee of the greater salvation that God promises to those who are faithful. So this is still Hannah's personal prayer, but it is in response to the hope that she has now 
in the greater salvation that God will bring to Israel if they are faithful. So that is why Hannah is giving thanks and praise here because God has renewed her confidence in him. By answering her prayers, he has shown himself to her in a way that enables her to continue to trust and believe in him despite the circumstances, both personal and national. And because of this hope that she has now through this answered prayer, she has hope for Israel despite it being surrounded by enemies and lacking strong leadership. With this renewed hope then, Hannah looks at all the enemies of Israel, the enemies of God, and continues to speak against them with these words of warning we find in verses 3 to 5. She sees the same scenario being played out between Penina and herself as similar to what's happening now between Israel and her enemies. And so she warns the other nations, don't be proud, don't be arrogant. God is the one who has full knowledge and he is the one who weighs every action. If these nations are to continue in the same way, they will be weighed, measured, and found wanting. Just as how God has judged the other enemies of Israel throughout history. And we will see this arrogance among the nations as we continue reading 1 Samuel. We will see it as Goliath comes and mocks the God of the Israelites. We will see it as the Philistines sought to mock God by moving the Ark of Covenant into their God's temple. Hannah, however, shows God is able to reverse the situations, even when common sense shows us that, that one person is in superior position to another. God can make the mighty weak and the weak mighty. He can cause reversal to the rich and the poor. He can change the situation of the barren who was mocked and bring sorrow to the one whose trust is in their child. At the heart of it, Hannah is warning people to not place their trust in their circumstances, in their strengths, in their blessings, but warning them to place their trust in God himself. God is a God who can bring about reversals. So those who are proud and secure of themselves, those who mock the holy God because of this, they better watch out. And we also see this theme of reversal coming into play again and again throughout this book. Samuel will replace the sons of Eli. The giant warrior Goliath is defeated by a mere shepherd boy. And we will see this reversal coming into play whenever someone is arrogant and challenges God. So look out for that as you continue reading this book. So Hannah is setting up this theme that is going to run throughout the book. Then, Hannah brings us to verses 6 to 8. As she continues to show God's power, she describes just who God is and continues to warn the enemies. Verse 6, He is the God that has power over life and death. He sends people to the grave and He is the one who rises them up from the grave. What can you do against the one who has power over the grave? Verse 7, he is the one that controls the fortunes of people. 
Verse 8, he is the one who will bring up the poor and the downtrodden, the humble ones, and exalt them into glory, just as he did with Hannah. So what can you do if your security is in your circumstances, which God can overturn at a moment's notice? So don't be proud. Hannah therefore acknowledges that the true foundation of the earth is God himself. And this is on the basis of what she has experienced and knows of God through how he has responded to her prayer. So having tasted God's mercy and love leads us to know him and to trust him. Hannah then continues her prayer in verses 9 to 11. And here she makes a point that God is a God who will guard his faithful ones and destroy his enemies. This is a clear warning then to the enemies of Israel that God is not to be trifled with. She is warning them again not to look at their current circumstances and strength. She's warning them not to think they can be arrogant before God. She has warned that God is the sovereign Lord who is in control of all things. He is the Lord who will bring judgment. The idea then of salvation for the faithful is seen to be intricately tied in with the judgment that God brings. The implication therefore is for these enemies to be careful when they mess with Israel and for God's servants to continue trusting in God no matter what the current circumstances looks like. And so, Salvation for the faithful means judgment to the enemy. But what is really shocking about Hannah's prayer is when Hannah reveals the means through which God will bring this victory to his people. He will give strength to the king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Now this is during the period of judges before there were kings. Though the Old Testament does hint at this possibility. So Hannah is speaking prophetically here that God is going to bring victory to his people through his king. And we can see, if we continue to read this book, that Hannah is talking about King David. God will give David strength. God will establish his throne. And through David, God will bring about this reversal and bring Israel to glory and rest. This will lead to the establishment of a strong leader, a strong king, a faithful one, who while, still, while he still fails and sins, is able to rise up gloriously because he is humble before the Lord. But even when this kingship will ultimately fail as Solomon takes over because of his pride, Solomon worshipped other gods and treated gods just like his enemies does. Even in that failure, there is still hope. And again, as you study this book, you will see this contrast between pride and humbleness and God's reversal regardless of the circumstances. And while Solomon does fail, it doesn't mean that Hannah's prophecy fails. Because through this throne of David that God establishes will come the ultimate king 
the one that God himself is going to establish on his holy Mount Zion. And the nations shall rage. And yet, God will still uphold his king and give him strength. Now, later on, the Israelites will know this as a song that they sing whenever their kings are coronated. And this is Psalm 2. But we know more clearly than the Israelites because we personally know this king. He has come and he is now seated with all authority and power, Jesus Christ himself. Mary knew this and so she rejoiced in a saviour when Jesus was in her womb. And that's why you see so much similarities between Hannah's song and Mary's song that was read today. And the reason is because ultimately they are rejoicing and prophesying the same thing. The salvation that comes through the king that God will uphold Jesus Christ himself. And ultimately, God's people then, as Hannah has predicted, as Mary has sung about, come to salvation through the kingship of Jesus. And this will be the salvation of all who are faithful and at the same time, the judgment to all those who are his enemies. So for those of us who are listening today, we can see that Hannah's hope can be our hope if we put our trust in God and in the king that God has established. If we reject God and his chosen king because we might think we're sufficient on our own, because we might think following Jesus seems like a fool's errand, then be prepared. God is a God of reversal. He will judge his enemies and he brings salvation to his faithful ones. This passage tells us that we too are to be like Hannah. We are to trust in God and we are to warn others not to be arrogant before God. We are to tell people to come before God humbly because great things he has done. Hannah's response to God's salvation is to proclaim this great truth. And we too, having been saved by God, are to proclaim that very same truth. So we too, like Hannah, are to tell of this king that God establishes. So proclaim the gospel out of a thankful heart as a response to your salvation, just as Hannah did. For some of us, we may be in a situation that seems bad. It may seem like God has abandoned us. You can relate with Hannah when she was struggling. And this could be personal reasons, perhaps a sickness you're struggling with. Or there's a series of events in your life that keeps on going from bad to worse. Or it could be corporate. As a church, you might be persecuted. Or as a church, you cannot gather because of the COVID. And you're thinking of all these things around this world and you're wondering, has God forgotten me? Has God forgotten us? Take all these circumstances and then look to Hannah. And she shows us how to respond. As she reminds us to remember that God is faithful, that God is in control. Now friends, this doesn't mean that God will lift up your burdens for sure. 
that your prayers are going to be answered the way you want. There were many barren women in Israel who did not get a child, but Hannah did. But what Hannah shows us is that God is ultimately in control. And for us, we know that personally because we know of Jesus Christ. We have tasted his salvation through his King. Jesus came and died on that cross to make full punishment for the sins of those who follow him. He came to save his people. And if you put your faith in Jesus, even today, you can be counted as his people. Salvation would have come to you. And that truth, therefore, should remind us that God is still active, God is still at work, God can be trusted. That God has acted time and time again to show that his words are to be trusted. So what you need to do today is to look to your heart, to look to your circumstances and ask yourself, do you trust in your circumstances or do you trust in God? And depending on how you answer, you are either someone who's sitting here today and you need to listen to Hannah's warning. That perhaps in your comfort, you might have thought that God is nothing and you're secure in yourself. And then this warning is for you. Or perhaps you're someone who continues to be faithful despite your struggles. And so then for you, you are the one who rejoices in Hannah's proclamation because you have assurance of salvation. Either way, the warning and the encouragement is before you today. There are eternal consequences. God saves his chosen people and he judges those who are against him. So choose wisely. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for these words of Hannah, this song that captures her hope in you, her trust in you. And Father, may we be found to be trusting in you, no matter what our circumstances are. May we look to Hannah's prayer and find hope that our strength in you will be refreshed, that you will help us to put aside our circumstances and to come to trust in you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.